This podcast is dedicated to the memory of Dr. Charlie Albright. Dr. Albright was a lecturer and journalist and has been an influence on this podcast and um, my writing in general over the years. Um, I'd like to give my thoughts and love to those that are close to Charlie at is what I'm sure a very difficult time. seen a video nasty i wouldn't i have far too much how, how can you judge on video nasty? Oh, never seen one. i actually don't need to see visually what i know is in that film Hello there and welcome to Video Nasty's podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. In 1950, Arthur Davis Associates it was a New York-based modelling agency and also on the side did foreign film distribution. In an attempt to promote the models and actresses he represented, Arthur Davis would create titles for those models uh, to say that they'd been kind of voted so good. An example would be Miss Perfect Profile, which was uh, awarded to a fictitious but high-sounding organisation, such as uh, the Plastic Surgeons Institute. So, Miss Perfect Profile was given to Coco Brown. She was also called Miss Outdoor Girl, apparently, by the Society of Western Real Estate Salesmen. And as this went on, his, uh, his claims of who were giving these, uh, these women... Uh, these awards became more and more grand, but there's no doubt that his uh, his models were obviously evidently, according to him, these kind of slightly fictitious naming sounding uh, titles, um, were hooking people in and journalists were writing about them. So Joan Oti was selected to be Miss Panda by Panda Manufacturers, whatever Panda Manufacturers are, because she was the girl they'd most like to pet. And of course, who can forget during the New York City water crisis, the Citizens Committee for Emergency, again fictitious, chose Casey Audrey to be Miss Water Conservation, according to Arthur Davis and his incredibly impressive uh, ability to drum up support. Anyway, February 27, 1950, uh, Life magazine uh, wrote a two-page spread about, speaking of pictures, a press agent's fakes get printed which kind of uh, exposed and slightly praised, perhaps, the uh, his ability. So why am I talking about um, a, a model agency in, in 1950? Well, Arthur um, went on to be quite a success. And it's not surprising that uh, his film, really, with the only one who's actually got his name on it, um, which came up, does somewhat bend the truth slightly. Brutes and Savages, uh, from 1978, uh, an American production, but actually was set the, from a business that was set up in the UK, features a mixture of real uh, animal sacrifice, fake, obviously put on for, for uh, shock value to pad, um, documentary footage, and um, 
also was willing to show incredibly uh, violent and rather silly um, uh, gore. Most notably, an incredible scene where a, a man is attacked by uh, what appears to be a fake alligator, and we see uh, fake body parts, and it kind of blends between the two of obviously what is a real man in a real river and what is obviously well, a real man still, but in a swimming pool, being attacked by what can only be described as a puppet. Bruton Savages is a story or a documentary uh, that rips off heavily Mondo Kane, um, the uh, the uh, which a film what we've touched on before when we talked about Cannibal Holocaust. Mondo Kane is uh, one of those uh, well, all the Mondo movies are real world kind of uh, exploitation where they go into the jungles, invariably give the uh, people who live there live near to that jungle some money to act up in front of the cameras uh, take the clothes off to uh, to kill an animal etc and then portray that as real life what happened was davis had been on a uh, on a journey 
a holiday in, in the South America and realized that there was a possibility to make a bit of cash from this. Now, readers of Variety may have been aware of Arthur Davis before then. He'd called himself an international showman. He'd moved to Japan to uh, and had sold uh, a variety of French and Spanish and Euro cine uh, films to um, the Japanese market and made quite a killing from it in truth. This company was called the Arthur Davis Company. And it provided, it was literally just, you know, Italian movies for um, Japanese TV and movie theatres. So he expanded the operation in, in around 19, in the 1970s, um, moved to Hong Kong, called, called this company the Arthur Davis Organization, which was uh, when he kind of really kind of stepped up and kind of really made himself more visible, particularly appearing in the pages of Variety. His adverts to draw cash and to get more interest in his business always featured his rather distinctive visage, a visage you will see plenty of times if you ever get round to watching Brutes and Savages. Uh, a big, bulky, black-haired haircut and a, a, and a kind of ratty, <laughs> bushy moustache. But he was always smiling in the pictures, let's put it that way. And by the mid-70s, he was distributing over 22 um, Western titles to a Far East market. Davis saw an opportunity, and that opportunity was to produce his own films. After being on holiday in South America, he decided that he could create a version of a Mondo Kane documentary. He boasted in Variety that such films are relatively easy to make. They have no cast, don't need a name director to sell them. And it, he, created, he did that and also created the film The Art of Killing, which is a, seen far, in a far more um, positive light, shall we say, um, which is a Japanese film produced by uh, Hisho Masuda and directed by Masi Masiyoshi uh, Nomoto. Uh, which shows um, various uh, experts in martial arts kind of showing off their craft and their skill, which is a far easier thing to push. So he goes off to South America and allegedly to Africa, although um, the African footage is um, slightly dodgy, shall we say. Looks more like it could have easily been filmed in a Florida uh, backlot. But according to um, Davis, they um, they actually went to the southernmost part of Sudan in uh, July 1976, which means they were literal miles, just a handful of miles away from the Ugandan border when that all kicked off with um, Israeli commandos uh, at the uh, Palestinian hijackers of Entepe Airport. So... We'd, and that, have, unsurprisingly, or perhaps surprisingly, isn't mentioned in the book. Um, so, yeah, so just as a bit of more uh, background to this, Davis publishes a novelization of his own documentary film, which kind of goes into more detail in terms of what 
may or may not have happened. And indeed, much like, I think, and the reason why I mentioned his uh, little foray into the model world in 1950 is that uh, Davis was very aware of the, the skills and the, uh, what you need to do to really sell a show. Anyway, they go from Africa <laughs> to uh, South America, mainly Bolivia and Peru, where they uh, do a variety of shooting. Um, some of it involving um, llamas um, being impregnated and a very strange ritual that they have over there, well, allegedly. Uh, and also um, some animal killings, and indeed the animal killings are some animal killings are shown in the um, in the film. And some of it's quite impressive, but you, but you don't know how much of it's obviously been staged to make it happen, which is obviously where the real kind of concern. And you know, he's very lucky, if I'm being honest, if he, to capture some of the stuff he captures, if it hadn't been uh, set up by unscrupulous types after some cash. In the book, incredibly, he states that um, the uh, the crew, when they were out there, um, ate monkey. And then when the uh, the tribesmen told them what they'd just eaten, uh, obviously they freaked out and started vomiting. And the, uh, the tribesmen all thought it was fucking hilarious. Davis was keen to uh, grab as much uh, real life that was out there at any one time. Notoriously, uh, you know, he apparently... Um, would it? And again, this is kind of. Uh, he says, like, oh, you know, in the book, he says, oh, it's brilliant. We got this, um, we got footage, and it's hidden footage of this turtle ritual, which basically is a wedding, alleged wedding ceremony with it, where a turtle gets killed, and he makes it sound like they're hiding up a tree and doing it all very incognito. When you actually watch the footage that they show, it's blatantly been set up and stunted. Um, you know, and but that the, the the other side of it is that is a real tale getting its throat slit, so unpleasant at best. There's a moment in the film where they um, they say they sneak in to uh, the <laughs> the erotic ink museum, which is effectively a, a, a place um, with just just filled with um, pots of cocks and uh, people having sex, and um, apparently according to the book, he they. Um, they go to the museum, um, and Davis like sneaks up on the guy and says, "Listen, I'll give you a thousand pesos if we can get in there at night and film it." And he goes, "Yeah, right." <laughs> so he does, and they do. Supposedly, uh, Davis filmed huge swathes of this film without any uh, consent. So um, he created. So he had to, and obviously, you can't like then get all that footage. 16, you know, it's 16 mil, bear in mind, it's not, but, you know, he still filmed tons of the stuff. Can't get all that footage back, so he kind of had to, like, leave some and then fly out and then come back as a, um, as a tourist and kind of pretend it's holiday footage rather than film footage. So, back in London, where, um, Davis has kind of set up his, his base for these documentaries, he gets uh, Richard Johnson, who is, um, well, a famous uh, screen actor who's got a strong kind of, you know, rich voice, which is the, the voice that we hear. And he goes through, um, 
you know, he's been in fucking all sorts of stuff over the years, and you know, you you will find it very distinctive. Um, by the time we get to you know the seventies, he's working in things like Beyond the Door and uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters. Although in the sixties, he was in contention to be James Bond. Anyway, Johnson obviously agrees to it, but it's very telling the fact that his name doesn't appear on the credits. Um, so evidently, he'd, he'd kind of requested that they kind of keep his him out of it, despite the fact his voice is so distinctive. And indeed, his uh, his name does appear on the back of the credits on the book. So he may well have uh, asked to be removed a slightly later date than when the book was had gone to be published. Arthur Davidson then put his own money up for the film around seven hundred thousand dollars. It's not surprising, therefore, that he wants the best, like a, a you know a rich, plummy, incredibly impressive voice, and uh, indeed he turned to R- uh, Rizzotolani to do the um, the soundtrack for the film. Um, by this point, Ottolone had obviously already been nominated for an Oscar for his work on Mondo Kane. So it's clear that he wants to, uh, Davis wants to kind of create those links between the two the two films. You know, this is a, a film of similar quality than that runaway, runaway success. Ottolone's soundtrack is different to the one he does for Mondo Kane and, very, and different again for what he, he later achieves for. Um, Diodato's Cannibal Holocaust. There are points in this where, you know, there's grand vistas and the, the music kicks in. It's very swooning and similar in that sense to Cannibal Holocaust, as we've discussed before. But there are also points, uh, particularly with some of the uh, the stuff in Africa, Africa inverted commas, um, which appears to be, or you know, in, in, in the Sudan, which appears to be... Um, faked but also you know it's just like sexy time stuff and that is done in a way which very much kind of highlights the sleazy element to it so it's kind of like a disco funk kind of vibe to it which obviously is not um, what you would expect from what is meant to be a, a very serious documentary I think you'll find so it's schlocky and it's a bit silly and it kind of adds an element to it Again, pumping up the showman stuff. Uh, Brutes and Savages was um, released in uh, Brute Sound, which apparently provides far greater dynamic range. Very quiet, but also incredibly booming. Indeed, the people in, in the UK that worked on the sound, though, uh, nearly pulled out their support because they were so concerned that they were um, in a film that was working on a film which contained such animal cruelty. Obviously, the British uh, would step over a homeless person but would weep incontrollable uh, tears for uh, the death of, of an animal. So this, this Japanese martial arts film, and a third film under this factual report company, which he'd set up for this specific purpose, was meant to come out, and it was due to start rolling September 1977. He'd already lashed in $100,000 of his own money, and it was called Witchcraft, which was, its big sales point was to be that this film was going to actually contain genuine footage of an exorcism. We can only imagine, considering the fact that Brutes and Savages were sold on actual footage of somebody being eaten by an alligator or a crocodile. Um, what that would consist of. 
Anyway, Exodus 2 bombs. Um, Davis loses the money. All the all the all the all the uh, all the funders go. No, no, we're not we're not paying for this. This is gonna this is gonna bomb. Anyway, despite all this, he does manage to create a version of the film. He rates two, in fact, a hundred four minute and ninety four minute. So the version that's the video nasty section free film is the ninety four minute version. And indeed, this 104-minute version didn't really come to the light of day until relatively recently, certainly this century. So the 94-minute version, um, the differences are, because if you're going to go out and seek this film, and again, warnings, there is a lot of animal cruelty in it, but, you know, that's just your warning, it's up to you. Um, the rest of it's, you know, it's what it is. Uh, racist, <laughs> mainly, but, you know, hey Um The... Um, the main difference is that almost everything from Sudan is cut out. Um, so it starts of them arriving in South America, which kind of makes a lot of sense. But what they do is because, obviously, the film has been sold on this bit with the crocodile, alligator, um, They um, halfway through the movie, it cuts to that footage and, and the, uh, the, the standard narration that fits through it is lost. And... Um, you get to hear Arthur Davis kind of step in and kind of say, oh yeah, oh by the way, really, really deeply in the jungle, there's this bit, and this is what goes down, and then it comes to that, and then it clicks back to the rest of them. So you lose, you know, about 15 minutes of footage. Uh, none of it's going to be the end of the world, if I'm being honest, uh, and on almost all of it, it looks fate. But um, there you go. Although there is a, uh, a dead goat's head, which doesn't look fate. So there is that. So the film was, uh, well, actually, Davis, by the time uh, the film was properly released, uh, he had effectively retired. Um, going out, changing his career from this action world of, uh, of filmmaking and piling your own cash into films that uh, are um, hard to sell uh, or people just don't want to buy. And it became went to Florida and began a new career in uh, the glorious world of real estate. So it didn't get released in the US until 1982, where it was picked up by uh, Aquarius, who have released all sorts of films on the nasties list. In fairness, um, they had also made their money from uh, Deep Throat. It was released hilariously on uh, Christmas Eve with a couple of other. Um, Mondo Films as a triple bill on 42nd Street's Liberty Theatre and it lasted for one week. There was no advertising, it was just dropped on to pad out a, uh, a revolving programme. In it comes and out it goes uh, without any real uh, notice in truth. In America the film was released uh, in the States as in a... Um, by MPI, probably because they made their money from Faces of Death, and it kind of fits a similar uh, genre and uh, desirability for what people want. In terms of the UK, the film was actually released as a cut version on preset by uh, DRAN VHS. So they were the old um, production company. They did lots of like, they they did all sorts of film um, um, uh, production, as in. You know, actually processing the film itself. It was seized uh, as part of a section three, unsurprisingly, 
and it has never been resubmitted to the BBFC, um, almost certainly would receive numerous cuts even today. Um, but if you're of interest, there is a 2003 Synapse Films release which is available on Amazon, which is this extended uh, version of the film, which uh, makes more sense. It kind of softens the blow of some of the stuff later on because it um, allows you to kind of go, well, this is obviously, some of this is obviously not real before you kind of get to the stuff that obviously is real. Um, you know, what, what, what's going to offend you? Is it going to be its, um, you know, its talk of, um, you know, race? Is it going to be, you know, I mean, it, uh, the fuck is called Brutes and Savages. Do you know what I mean? It's, and I know what it does is it hides behind this kind of glib, ah, yes, but who is the real savage? Is it them or is it you? I mean, and that is something that Camel Holocaust touches on as well and that kind of thing, and I understand that. But at the same time, it's still offensive and it's still racist. So, you know, hey ho, let's move on. And you know, this is it gonna but is it gonna be the um the poverty porn stuff where they go to villages which are obviously just deeply, deeply and you know, just a mess. And um start pointing the cameras left, right and centre and get chased away. And um and rather glibly kind of go, you know, this is just the, the horrors of, of poverty with no real kind of background or information. They're just poor, poor people in a foreign land. Is it going to be the animal cruelty? Is it going to be the clearly exploitational uh, way he films young, young... Well, yeah, there's, there's in, the, in the porn poverty songs, it's children. When it's, you know, the bits, it's, they're clearly... Um, you know, young villagers who uh, need money <laughs> or need whatever it is he's decided to furnish them with to make them take their clothes off. And they kind of awkwardly stand round when there's only a few of them and it's clearly being staged and fronted uh, for the cameras and uh, agree to, you know, to that. Not cool. <laughs> So there's a lot there that you can uh, you can take on bridge with, uh, or you can just take on bridge with the fact that it treats its audience really like it it, it doesn't respect its audience either. Really, in fairness, because if it did, it wouldn't show a shot of a puppet in a swimming pool intercut with a man getting killed in a river. Um, it thinks you're fake, but you know that's probably in truth not the least of its sins. There's a thing on Netflix at the moment called uh, "Don't Fuck with Cats." Don't Fuck With Cats uh, has uh, an ending where they, get, they turn to the camera and basically go, well, you know, it's exploitation, isn't it? And you're contributing it by watching this. So that kind of, well, apart from the fact that the hand-wringing of a major international corporation like Netflix showing that and pushing people towards it because it's a Netflix exclusive, whatever the fuck they call it, and the filmmakers spent creating three hours of this fucking shit to then go, it's an, oh, you know, maybe you're part of the problem. Let's put that stupidity to one side. Basically, that is the same gag. This isn't, that isn't a spoiler, by the way. If you want to watch that fucking documentary, you know what? It's really offensive, but it is fascinating. Um, it's no different than what this is doing, in truth. Because at the end of this, it turns around and goes, who is the brutes and who are the savages? And, it said, and it, to be honest with you, it doesn't just say it once. It says it about three fucking times during the movie. Um to kind of, you know, um, 
hammer home this idea of, you know, despite this obvious tourism around our storytelling, you know, this is that nonetheless, this is a, a, a framing device around the brutality of, uh, of, of, of supposed, you know, jungle areas. And, you know, but think of yourself in this, you know, uh, you, know you, wars and all the problems of, of Western society, you know. Oh, surely you're a brute and savage as well. Well, yeah, probably, but, you know, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything, does it? It doesn't actually answer any questions. It doesn't, doesn't push your argument forward any. It just shows images to titillate and then at the end kind of goes, well, that titillated you, didn't it? Mm, think on that. It's, it's, I feel for me it always feels hand-wringing and I know to be fair Cannibal Holocaust does the same thing so as I said um, by 1980 uh, Davis has decided that he doesn't want to do this anymore and retires to do real estate and his businesses His organi- the Arthur Davis organisation is uh, broken up and renamed into more manageable chunks and they're, they're, those, in, those businesses have t- dissolved over the years so fair play to him he's obviously you know, he's he's gone out there and he's created a film he wants to create, uh, a mixture of uh, deeply exploitative uh, use of the locals, uh, fake footage, which as we've already discussed, he's, uh, he has uh, form for, and uh, holiday snaps. So there we are with that. And then off he goes to live in Florida. God, could you imagine those poor? Uh, those poor, poor, poor people of Florida. <laughs> who knows? Who knows who in, who's in your mix, in your midst? very much for listening if you want to get hold of me please do my email address is videonessipodcast at gmail.com my twitter is at orange underscore monkey and go to the website thelasthorrorpodcast.com or videonessipodcast.com and leave a message and I will attempt to get back to you and if you want to leave feedback or any opinions any of the films you've seen I know some of them are very obscure but uh, you know if, you, if you've got strong feelings on any of this stuff be in touch uh, I hope you had a lovely Christmas. I hope you have a fantastic New Year. If you hear, or you are having a nice New Year. If you hear this afterwards, I know it's you know in that in between time between Christmas and New Year. Next week we're going to do 1977 US weirdo kind of bizarro horror zombie film, The Child, which is uh, kind of trippy, a little bit unusual bit different, a little gory, not like full she gory, but there's a bit of gore in it. Um, so yeah, so kind of a, a weird mix of stuff, uh, kind of dreamlike, uh, nightmarish, uh, probably one of the more interesting films on the list you haven't seen, uh, and is reasonably easy to get hold of, so I would recommend it. Uh, until then, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. seen a video nasty i wouldn't i have far too much how, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, you've never seen one i actually don't need to see visually 
what I know is in that film. 